I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No one can push our buttons like our family. The approaching holiday season means more time with those crazy people we love, which can equal more stress and more anxiety. But I've got your back, of course. Today, I'm teaching you my easy three-step process to stay calm and centered when dealing with family stress and dysfunction during this holiday season. I'm also showing the love with an awesome free gift to make all this even easier. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Well, hello, good morning, good evening, whatever time of day it is, good afternoon. I'm really happy to have you here. I am your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf, if you don't know that, uh, I'm assuming you do by now. I hope you've been with me for a long time. I uh, love spending this time with you, as you know, and I'm really excited to start talking about the holidays because as I'm recording this, they're fast approaching. And this is always the time of year when therapists, psychologists, we're busier than ever. This is our busy season. So I love when people have asked me, oh, are you taking off for the holidays? Are you going somewhere? It's like, uh-uh, we, we never take off for the holidays or it's very rare. Uh, I just took a little vacation previously, so I feel very refreshed and excited. Um, but that's why I did that in uh, October, not December. So I'm around. I'm here for you all through the holidays. I've got your back. So... 
and if you haven't yet, a great idea for an upcoming holiday gift could it be to get my book, Be Happily Married, even if your partner won't do a thing. It is available on Audible and Kindle and, you know, regular copy in your hand, um, all of the things, all the places. And if you have read my book and liked it, I'd really appreciate it if you went back and left a review on Amazon or Audible. That really helps people get to uh, know my book and also gets them to know what the book's about, you know, if that's a good fit for them or not. I certainly don't want to waste people's time, money, anything else. So it's good when there's a review. Obviously, don't write a crappy one. I don't want to hear that. Um, but if you have a good one, <laughs> I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Let's get to it. Let's do this thing. Oh, family, family. Oh, family. We love them. We hate them sometimes. They drive us crazy and we'd kill for them all, all at the same time. All families are crazy, by the way. Some are, you know, kind of the loud crazy. Some are quiet crazy, but all are nuts nonetheless in their own adorable or not so adorable ways. And I, you know, one of the things I always say is that the same level of crazy attracts the same level of crazy. Uh, sometimes people feel like, oh, my husband's family is so normal and mine is so nuts. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's a lie. It's just, you get it, the same things get attracted. The crazy might look different. The weirdness in your family might look a little different than the weirdness in my family. But trust me, it's the same like level, same level of dysfunction same level of insanity. They're very similar. Um, yeah, you, you didn't get together from, you know, a mystery. So, <laughs> so again, I mean, your family's dysfunction might show a little more easily than someone else's. You might have to dig a little to get to somebody else's, but trust me, it's there. Okay. So, but let's talk about this. So why do we so quickly revert back to our six-year-old selves when we're with our family. How do they get under our skin so quickly? I mean, years of hard work. I'm going to sneeze. Phew. Excuse me. Sneezing right in the middle. God bless you. Say it. Come on with me. Okay. I'm not stopping the recording for that. Uh, so yeah, I sneeze. So where was I? <laughs> So I was talking about how our, how our family gets on our skin so quickly and how it can happen because, uh, you know, you could have years of therapy and hard work and the amazing sophistication, you know, that you have now that you didn't have as a teen or whatever. And then, you know, it's, it's gone. It vanishes when, you know, your brother has you in a headlock at age 45, right? It's, it's like, how did that happen? What happened? Or you find yourself whining because you didn't get a piece of cake or I, it's incredible. And we've all been there. Don't judge. Don't judge me. Don't judge yourself. It's, it's what happens. So, and really the reason is that when we're back with our families, no matter how long we've been away, no matter how far you moved, we get caught up in old emotional patterns and behaviors. Again, all that therapy goes out the window, you know, because we're really seeing ourselves in the eyes of our family. We're seeing ourselves the way they see us and we don't like it because they don't know us anymore. They think they do, but they really don't. They'll say, I don't care how close you've been with your family all these years, unless you were like living in the house with them. But even if you were, you have a private life. You have things that you do they don't know about. You have ways of thinking they don't know about. It just is. It's, it's how it works. And, and But you, you went to college or maybe the military without them. 
I would write there every minute. I don't care if you talk to them all the time. They weren't there with you. They weren't in all those experiences as you grew. You had your first kiss and orgasm without them around. Let's hope. That's gross. Uh, you built friendships, careers in a separate world from them. And many of us, you know, got into relationships and had our own kids without them seeing all that, you know, all the daily ins and outs, all of that on a daily basis. Again, even if you see your family often, it's not the same. Our internal lives are something different and we grow and change, but these people still see us as we were. Because that is when they knew us best. You know, when we were in that family growing up, whatever your family looked like, that's what it was about. This is a very intimate, close time, even if you all fought all the time. It's still, um, you know, day in, day out with these folks. And so, yes, you had a life, you went to school or whatever, but it, it was very different. But when you left is really when you do so much of your growing as you explore into the world. Uh, and then our families don't seem to like catch up. And I'll tell you, I had a, I just had a client, uh, wow, like a week ago. And she said she hates fish. She doesn't like fish. She doesn't eat fish. And she said she was visiting with her family, her parents recently, and her mom served salmon for dinner. And when she didn't eat it, she, she didn't even say anything. She just like doesn't like fish. She just started eating other things. But her mom got really upset. It was like, why aren't you eating the salmon? And she said, oh, I, I don't really like fish. You know, I don't eat it. And she's, and her mother said, salmon's your favorite. And, you know, my, my client tried to explain that, you know, she hadn't liked fish in years. You know, she moved out, she left the house when she was 18 and pretty much never went back. But she said her mom kept like dismissing her. Oh, you know, oh, you're just being ridiculous. You just haven't had it the way I make it. You like it this way. And, you know, cue to my client pulling her hair out and try not to lose her, you know what. And that's really the piece. Why do we get so upset? Why the often kind of outsized emotions for, you know, seemingly harmless questions? I mean, my client's mom just said something about fish when you think about it. Why was my client absolutely, by the way, beside herself and furious and repeating the story to me in therapy, spending money to repeat the story <laughs> and outraged. I mean, outraged. It's, and she had every right. I, it's okay. It, and you've had this too. You've had something like the story too. And it's because these old feelings of fear and shame, they kind of rear their ugly head and they feel like a huge threat to our well-being. That's the piece. We, we really lose our calm. We feel off kilter. And the, uh, a woman named Eve Ekman, who's the director of training over at the Greater Good Science Center here in Berkeley, and I, I'm all over their stuff all the time. They have amazing research. Um, but she wrote something, it was a few years ago now, and she called this kind of mixture of fear and shame around the holidays, the holiday schmear. And I really love that, especially with my Jew background. You know, we like a good schmear, um, so <laughs> which a lot of people do. And, you know, she explains it. You know, the holiday schmear is that lovely combination of shame and fear that many of us experience around the holidays. And we most commonly feel it when we're interacting with our families. But I'm going to say it can also really show up with kind of anywhere, anywhere that our perfectionism, anywhere that our control issues come up. And around this time of year, those issues tend to come up a lot. Maybe that's just me, because we all know I love control, control enthusiasts as we love. Uh, so it depends on you. And before I 
you know, I'm going to talk about my this three-step process I have, which you're really going to be able to adapt and my great gift to help you with it. But I want to break down these two components of the holiday schmear because that way you'll understand how I came up with this process and why it works. And you might be thinking, I don't have any shame around my family. I don't have any fear around my family. Oh, yes, you do. If you uh, if you're listening right now, you do, because otherwise this this wouldn't have attracted you this podcast title. You would have thought, oh, I'm always sane and fabulous around my family. They don't bother me at all. I love them. You are. I don't know who you are. God bless you. God bless you. I don't even know what that would feel like. <laughs> so it's wonderful. And if that is you and you mistakenly are listening, I go do something else because I don't know what to tell you. I got nothing here for you. But but if you're listening and you get any of, if you ever roll your eyes at your parents or your sister, or if you, you know, ever just walk away from a holiday or any gathering with your family, really feeling just exhausted um, or upset or resentful or any of the things, then, you know, I'm talking to you. And if I'm talking to you, then there's fear and shame. I know. So, but let me break it down so you can really kind of understand what I'm talking about. There, so let's talk about fear first. Let's do fear. So there's a lot of fear triggering situations that happen, I think, especially around the holidays. So because of the setup, so now COVID has change things dramatically, but brings its own stress, obviously. And so maybe you didn't, you haven't traveled for years. Maybe this is your first year getting back to traveling for the holidays. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe you're scared at home. Either way, there's more movement, people moving around, uh, other people traveling, maybe at work, and then you have to pick up their caseload or whatever. Uh, it's been, it's extra, it just gets extra stressful because everything is sort of wrapped up in that. So people have different sleep schedules, you know, with time off, or maybe you do have a bunch of people coming to your house this year, um, you know, and you've been after your partner to clean his piles of paper off the dining room table, but he hasn't gotten to it yet. <laughs> and so you've been arguing more. There's more stress. Um, maybe you're spending more money than usual. That happens a lot around the holidays, especially as Christmas and Hanukkah approach. Uh, drinking more, maybe smoking some more pot or doing, taking some anti-anxiety meds or, you know, something that you don't normally do this much. You're eating more food often and things you don't, that aren't good for you. You're sleeping less often or sleeping again, weird hours. Your sleep is off. All of this stuff, all of this adds up to more fear-based emotions. Like, you know, we get more anxious, we get worried, resentful, hopeless, helpless, you know, all... Yeah, all all the goods, overwhelmed. And that's why you're arguing with your partner till like ready to get a divorce because he hasn't picked up the piles of paper from the dining room table. It suddenly, you know, it seems so big. And you're going to that place in your head, like, oh, if he respected me, if he loved me, he would do this. He never listens to me. Never. Then we get into the never and always. You can see where this is going. Then you're like that. And your family comes in <laughs> and then your sister's there or your aunt Lucy, or, you know, you go to visit your parents and you're schlepping your little kids or you're going on your own and, and trying to get time off of work or you see where I'm going here. Yeah. And again, COVID has put a whole new level of stress and, you know, maybe you're having people over, but you can't have as many people. And so now you're thinking who you're going to not invite who's come every year. I've had that around Thanksgiving the last few years. It's kind of weird. Um, 
how to stay safe if you do visit someone else. You, maybe your kids, maybe you have little kids and they're not vaccinated, but you're trying to go see your parents and you're terrified of, you know, killing them. It, it's all the things. There's just all these levels. And not to mention, you know, wearing a mask everywhere and getting on planes and trains and automobiles or doing whatever you're doing. So all of it is stressful. And now you actually get to the place, right? You get, let's say you get to your parents' home. Or again, a bunch of people maybe are coming over your house and suddenly all these people are in your home. And now, now we're here, but we, you know, we've had this stressful setup to it. And you're there with all that stress before you even interacted with these people. So that's the first thing to notice. And I'm going to talk about that in my three-step process. That's again, it's all fear-based. All those emotions I mentioned are fear-based. Your worry, your anxiety, all the things, I, all that's, that's that's why it's all ramped up. And now maybe you're finally sitting at dinner and you're worrying that your mom is going to ask why you're not married yet. <laughs> or or if you're married, why you haven't had kids yet. Or maybe your dad's going to ask again about your job. Or your Uncle Jack is going to wonder why your son wasn't doesn't want to hug him anymore. Is there something wrong with him? He's asking you. Something wrong with him? What's this thing with the newfangled kids and they don't hug? I, I you know. And in all this wondering... Believe it or not, what you're doing is you're bracing for impact. That's what's happening. You're, you're thinking, you're trying to think ahead. You're trying to like, oh, I don't want to sit my sister next to my other brother because they fight. I, you know, all you're bracing for impact. That has all your stress hormones running around your body. That has your amygdala on point. That I mean all the things. And really what's going on <laughs> is that we feel... We're, you, you feel like you're going to have to defend your life choices, right? You're thinking of all these questions, all these things people are going to ask. Maybe maybe someone's going to say something about your parenting, right? And you, you're going to have to defend things. Uh, you know, we're not married yet because neither of us feels quite ready. We're, we've got things to work out first that are none of your business. <laughs> uh Maybe to your dad, you know, even though you don't see a future with my current job, I really love it. And I don't want the stress of a higher paying job right now. Um, or maybe about your son, you know, he's not hugging you because he's a 13-year-old boy and that's what 13-year-old boys do and I, I don't make him do stuff like that. I don't, you know, all the things you think you're going to have to defend and all the worrying and trying to figure out what you're going to say, you know, if X or Y happens is it keeps you very scared and on edge, which again leads to all the old behavior patterns you swear you don't exhibit anywhere else that you say are just with these people. That's what's going on. You're really at the kind of the edge of something and there's only so far uh, you can stretch. That's what that is. Now, the shame comes up too. And shame is different from fear. Not the same. It's, it's a fear-based emotion, but not the same as how I'm talking about it. It's, and it's one of those things, I got to tell you for years, I did not think I had shame until I really, I did a whole podcast on shame and then I, I got real about it. And I'm telling you, you probably do too, because I'll tell you this. So it's, Again, one of those things you probably don't realize you're feeling because it's not often what you think it is. You might be thinking, you know, I've got nothing to be ashamed of. I don't feel shamed. That didn't happen. You know, maybe a little guilt about this or that, but I don't feel ashamed. But you don't have to do anything wrong to feel shamed because shame is all about, get this, being self-conscious. We feel shame anytime we perceive we're being judged. I know sit with that for just a second. It's, it's not that I'm parenting badly. It's that I'm a bad parent or person. You know, I, 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 
This is what hits us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're thinking to yourself, really, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know I always said that as a parent. I don't know what I was doing. I didn't have younger siblings. I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't. Uh, I have a better, I have a better sense now. I shouldn't say that, but I really felt so out of my element when the kids were little and, uh, you know, you feel like you're getting called out when someone says something about the parenting it's, and you like, you have to defend it or I don't want to have to defend it. So I'm going to avoid the situation or, oh, I hope my kids act perfectly. Cause if they say, you know, do a certain thing, then everyone's going to think I'm a bad parent. All that anxiety, it's shame. That's shame. It, it's it's that we don't feel kind of worthy somehow. We're, you know, we're imagining that some other person, whoever it is, is judging us as bad or wrong. Not that we do bad or wrong, that but but like that we're fundamentally bad or wrong. And it's enormously, enormously threatening to our sense of self. And it, it hits a very core survival fear. If I'm truly, you know, wrong. If I'm if fundamentally I have something wrong, I won't be loved or accepted. And this is really old stuff. This is like primal, you know, being accepted in the clan and not being thrown out to die. So uh, it's really, it really, shame shuts us down. You know, that's what shame does. And so you likely have shame and don't realize it. Now, the key, the thing is that you, what you do for, to heal Fear is different than what you do to heal shame. I know. So I'm going to talk about those quickly and then get into my three-step process. So with fear, it's really about looking at a situation differently. So if the right, it's about looking differently. Um, and, and you know, we know from the research that telling yourself to like just stop acting or thinking this way, or you know, trying to quash your feelings somehow, it, it doesn't work. It, in fact, it can make those thoughts. Or in those thought patterns, it can make them even worse. So instead, you want to get in your moments with a, a kind, clear assessment of what's really going on. And I, the easiest thing to do here, look, I'm giving you a bonus. I'm giving you a bonus before my three-step process. The easiest thing to do here is what I call, you know, I don't know if I only called it this. I don't remember reading it anywhere, but maybe, so maybe I took this from somewhere. I don't even know, but I've always called it flip the script. Not that I, I coined that term, but you know what I mean? I mean it in this way. So if you identify something or someone, it's usually a someone, right? Uh, with a negative trait of some kind, like something negative you don't like. You know, your mother is, I'm, I, I'm picking on the moms. I'm sorry, moms. 
Uh, your mom's criticizing your haircut at Thanksgiving dinner. Let's go there. And what you want to do is flip the script and you want to switch it in your mind to something positive. Like they're showing you a negative trait. You want to switch that around to a positive trait. So it can be, hey, you know, you take a moment here. It's not like it's, in, you know, you just jump into it. But it's like, okay, my mother, she cares about me so much that she even thinks about my hair. <laughs> and she, you know, I remember my mom used to um, comment about my weight. And she would sort of be worried that, like, if I gained a lot of weight, Gary wouldn't stay with me. Yeah. Because Gary's a hottie. My Gary's a hottie. Don't tell him I said that. He'd be very embarrassed. Anyway, um, and, you know, as you might imagine, that was like a dagger to my self-esteem for many years. And growing up, that was always there and all these other things. Um, it's amazing. I'm, <laughs> it's amazing I don't have a huge eating disorder, which I don't. But anyway, uh, so she would comment and make these comments about my shape and my body. And are you sure you want to keep eating that or whatever? And I really had to learn to flip the script. I really had to learn that she doesn't want to her. The worst thing ever would be to be alone, to be without a man's attention. And that's her, that was her sick kind of stuff, but that was her stuff. She just, till the day she died, she wanted men's attention. And that was, you know, from old childhood stuff and all kinds of things. But, um, that's what it was about. And so to her, that's the worst thing you could imagine is me not having male attention and God forbid having a male leave me. So that's why she was saying that to me. I, it's, I know it's kind of screwed up and it doesn't feel good, but I, when I flipped the script on that and I really got to this place of compassion for her, like understanding her past and why she was saying that, um, it really helped me see it as her way of showing love. It's not the love I wanted. It doesn't mean I was suddenly happy that she was saying these things to me. It, I still would call her on it and ask her to please show her love another way. And, but I would be able to say that. I'm like, mom, I know you just, you, I understand that you're worried that I'm going to end up alone. And I'd really rather you did not comment on my body. It just makes me feel bad. And she would then feel bad. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean I'm just trying to help. And, you know, she would do all those things. But for a moment, she would actually feel bad. And so just, but because I was saying it kind of nice, she could hear it. So I'm just giving you, that's a flip the script. Um, that's a way to see something and try to understand it differently and turn it around, uh, find a quote unquote positive side for it. So, you know, maybe you're late getting to Kwanzaa dinner uh, at your parents' house and you're feeling stressed out. So instead, maybe remind yourself how grateful you are to be celebrating with people who love you. And being late isn't the end of the world, even if your dad's going to say something. Um, uh, maybe your dad is critical about your job. You can say something to yourself like, you know, my dad loves me. He's just worried about me. He doesn't mean to, he doesn't mean to be shaming about my job choices. He just doesn't have better tools to express his feelings. I mean, he... He probably doesn't realize he has feelings. So, you know, what, what am I really getting upset about here? No matter what the ne negative or yucky thing is, you just want to push yourself a bit to find something positive in the person or situation, no matter how small. Sometimes it's small. And again, this is not po uh, toxic positivity because you're not saying, oh, I should never let anything bother me. And oh, it's puppy dog tails and rainbows. And oh, it's so great. And I'm so happy my mother commented on my weight. That's bullshit. And that is toxic positivity. Instead, you are just shifting it in your head into a different way to understand it. 
so that it's called a cognitive reframe in psychology. So that, again, you don't have to like it more, you don't have to anything, but it will help you not activate that amygdala and not have an oversized reaction to it. It'll help you emotionally regulate so that, I could say things to my mother, that actually would get her to stop and listen and connect and not just keep getting the same situation over and over. It's actually what helps change a situation. pretty much every time for me. It doesn't usually change it the first time, I'm not gonna lie, but it takes a while, you know, a little bit, but if you stick with it, it does. So that's really when it's a fear-based thing. But when it's shame, to me, with it's shame, the only answer is kindness, gentleness, compassion with yourself and those around you. I call this the love bomb. You know, it's all about the love bomb for yourself and everyone else when you're feeling shame. And I do have a loving kindness meditation that I will link to in the show notes. And there's tons of them on YouTube. But if you want to listen to my melodic voice, it's free. Uh, and it's on YouTube. Or you can also go to YouTube and just search. And if you're in YouTube, by the way, please subscribe to my channel, Abby Metcalf PhD. That's also where the podcast is. If you want to watch, right now I'm wearing, um, I'm waving, I'm wearing uh, some cheetah. <laughs> you don't want to miss cheetah fur, do you? Go watch me on YouTube. Go check it out. See me in my office just chatting away. Um, You can also check it there, but I would love it if you, you know, hey, comment or like a video and definitely subscribe to the channel. That'd be awesome. That's a way to show your love for me and our relationship. Okay, getting back. So yeah, you could listen to Loving Kindness Meditation. You could, um, for the women out there, there's a wonderful book by Krista Neff called Fierce Self-Compassion that came out in June, I think. It's wonderful. Um, uh, you know, there's just a lot of ways to do that. Again, I do a whole, I did a whole podcast on self-compassion. I will link to that in the show notes. So, you know, it's just about speaking kindly to yourself. It, it, frankly, if you spoke to anyone else the way you speak to yourself, you'd likely get punched in the mouth. Yeah, a lot. You know, you got to stop with the mean, judgmental, rude, rude, it's rude, internal dialogue. And again, you're going to have to be, to do that, you're going to have to be more self-aware when your thoughts are doing their own thing. So, you know, right now you might want to start a daily mindfulness practice. What do I talk about all the time? You know, praying, meditating, whatever works for you. Even if you just took a few minutes a day just to make a conscious decision to notice your thoughts and rein them in um, and really be in charge of them, just do whatever small practice it takes to start getting in charge of your brain. That's really of your thoughts. So, okay, so let's... (laughs) So let's talk about tackling the holiday schmear of fear and shame. And it's all made easier with my my three-step process. That's right. So this is the three-step process to stay calm and centered when dealing with family stress and dysfunction during the holidays. Get ready. Here we come. Step one, be prepared before you go anywhere. And there's three specific things I want you to do before you walk into any holiday gathering, even if that's a Zoom meeting, okay? Even if it's on Zoom. So number one, I'd like you to start practicing. I have, uh, and this is my free gift. Actually, if it's a gift, it has to be free, right? I think I'm, I shouldn't say free gift. <laughs> I'm, I'm being redundant. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, your gift 
is uh, come on over to the website, abbymetcalf.com forward slash podcast. And this is, it's called a calming anchor. And it's a neuro-linguistic programming or NLP technique. And don't be scared about, people get really weird with NLP. Um, it's a wonderful tool. And uh, it's a technique called anchoring. And I've adapted it uh, with this thing I call the calming anchor. And basically it's gonna help you feel calm immediately, like immediately. So if you're getting triggered in your family or at the table or whatever, you can do this thing, this anchor that I'll teach you and feel better immediately. I, I've been doing it for years, the calming anchor. It's incredibly effective. And you're going to practice it for five minutes a day for one week before the holidays. And boom, you'll have an easy to use tool to calm yourself in seconds when you're there. So this is, again, you're preparing, right? Just you only have to practice it five minutes a day for a week. Do you really not have five minutes? Do I have to come just, just shake you? Um, I love you. I'd come hug you, wouldn't I? If I saw you, I'd hug you. Uh, <laughs> but I would still be like, do this. Um, so please come download it. Okay. That's, uh, that's the first thing to get ready. The second is to set intention before you, immediately before you walk in. And I've talked ever so much about setting intention. I call it the 18 second shift because it takes 18 seconds. That's all it takes. And I have a video on it. And so you can watch the video. I'll link to it in the show notes if you need a little refresher. Uh, but basically before you walk in, you're going to sit, like if you're in your car and you're about to walk into the party or to the gathering, you're going to sit and you're going to close your eyes, take a breath for a moment, and you're going to set intention for how you want to be when you walk in. Okay. So uh, my intention is to be mindful, to be joyful, joyful, who would have thought at a family gathering, um, to bring the happy, to be unfailingly um, light, to uh, you don't just don't set an intention for what you don't want. So you can't set an intention like to not let anything bother you. That doesn't that doesn't work that way. You have to your brain can't think in the negative like that. So you want to think about what you do want when you go in there, how you do want to be. And that gets us to number three for the prep. I know this is my three step process, but this first step has three little parts. <laughs> um, and you don't have to do all of them, but I suggest you do. The third thing is about being the dominant vibration in the room. And that's part about your setting intention. You really want to get yourself into a great state. And I do have a calibration exercise to help you do this for free on YouTube. Also, that I'll link to in the show notes. I am full of the fun today. I got all the support for you today. Look out. I got all the good things. So you want to be the dominant vibration in the room. Meaning, you know, I hear a lot of people will say, uh, oh, well, I was in a good mood and then my husband came home in a bad mood. So then I was in a bad mood and they're like blaming their husband. And my thing is, why? Why didn't your good mood predominate? Why, why, why does everybody just assume that you go to the bad mood, that that should be dominant? I'm going to swear, fuck that. That's crazy. No, you be the dominant vibration in the room. And that's part of what you do when you sort of calibrate to a higher emotional state, to a really good feeling feeling before you come in the, the room so that everyone is just sort of vibrating at your level, so to speak, uh, you know, being where you are. And again, I have the calibration exercise. I do a whole, I did a whole podcast on calibration. I'll link to that in the show notes too, if you want to get down and good with calibration, because you really want to, because it's the best. It's what I do all the time. and. 
people meet me where I am. I'm just like, here's how I'm going to be. This is what's going to look like. You can do it again before a phone call, before a Zoom, before people are coming to your house. All of that is about being prepared. You just going in, you know, rushing, the kids are screaming, you know, you're grabbing things, you're running in the door. Oh, hi. Oh, you know, forget it. You're screwed. You just, you can't be that lazy with your thoughts. I called you lazy. I did. I said, I was so much love in my heart. I can't tell you. You just can't be that lazy with these things and expect great things to happen. It's not going to happen. And you don't have to do a lot to feel better. You, I'm giving you, I'm handing you things to help you feel better and they work. They absolutely positively work if you practice them. So just do it. There you go. Just do it. Just, just let me control every part of your life. Okay. <laughs> so that was all step one. The rest are shorter. Step two, and this is an easy one. While you're at the house and you want to really think of this beforehand and it works like a charm is to ask more than you state. I want to say that right. Ask more than you state. One, one of the big obstacles to staying, you know, really calm and centered is other, well, is other people. <laughs> I don't know another way to say that. That, you know, right? Other people are the reason we're not calm and centered often. I mean, we can be, you know, uh, all screwed up on our own, but, but other people, man. Uh, and it's mainly the crap they say to us that drives us crazy. And when you react with any statement, you end up in an argument a, or a standoff or with tension or something. So the key is to ask questions. When So really, whenever you're ready to come back with something, ask a question instead. Whenever you're ready to make a statement, ask a question instead. Um, and you can get deep on this or not deep on this. That's up to you. So if, um, so I've done this with my mom, like, you know, I've gone in for like a second helping and she would say, uh, do you really think you need a second? Help? Are you sure you're hungry? You know, you're supposed to wait a little bit to see if you're still hungry. <laughs> she would do this thing trying to control my food. And of course, for years, I either had a nasty retort or I would just actually me, I'm not really much of a nasty retort person, maybe sometimes, but mostly I would just silently stew. That's what I used to do. And I would probably be passive aggressive without even knowing it. And, but I learned to start taking a breath and I would ask her, you know, hey, mom, so can I ask why, what, what was going on that you said that to me just now? What, what are you feeling right now that you said that? Or what are you thinking right now that you said that? Or how do you think it makes me feel when you say something like that to me? What, what's your, or how do you think I feel right now as you say that? Especially maybe I was getting up in front of the whole family and she's commenting on my food and everyone's talk, looking at me. Um, do you know what I mean? So, and I would just ask as, as sometimes I wasn't as loving as I'd like to be, but most of the time I was able to kind of take a breath and do it and really call her on what she was doing so that she would stop. <laughs> uh, but that's asking questions instead of just saying, you know, I hate when you do this. It drives me crazy, blah, blah, blah. And then she could come back with, you know, I'm just trying to help, uh, da, 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 you know, and then there's this like argument with no one listening. Um, maybe you're uh, at something and someone snaps at you for no reason, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're at your in-laws and your husband, you know, you ask something and he snaps at you for no reason. And again, instead of the usual, you know, I don't appreciate you taking out your bad mood on me. Take a breath. Why is he snapping? Maybe his own mother's driving him crazy. I don't know. It's, and you can just stop. How you doing? 
<laughs> that's usually what I ask when that happens. Hey, how you doing? And usually I get, a, I'm fine, you know, because they're angry. But, you know, and then I ask, is there anything I can do for you right now? Uh, can I help make your day a little easier? Is there anything I can get for you? And that usually does it. Boom. Oh, uh, well, no, no, I'm all right. You know, but they, they calm down. Um, can I give you a hug? I need a hug. Is there anything bothering you you'd like to talk about? I mean, you can do that, but that kind of gets into a little bit of criticism a little bit sometimes where the other person isn't, you know, don't tell me how I feel kind of thing. So you got to be careful. But the questions um, really about anything that they ask, uh, anything that they ask, anything that, or they, they state, sorry, it's just about stopping for a minute and thinking, and you can, like I said, you can go as deep or not deep as you want. Um, and another thing I've said to my mom and other people is, um, hey, I don't, I don't, not loving how you said that to me. Do you have another way to say that, that I would take well? <laughs> Do you want to try again? Do you want to say that to me differently? Uh, what, you know, what are you, what else are you trying to tell me right now? That kind of thing. It really helps people stop and take, take kind of stock of what they're saying. And here's what's great. So when you ask a question, it uses a different part of your brain, which it does. It takes you out of that kind of amygdala brain and it puts a pause button, for lack of a better term, uh, on your brain like reactions. And it helps you stay grounded and calm. That's what it does, calm and centered. When you ask a question, you're literally acting, not reacting. That's the beauty of asking questions. Okay. Step three. <laughs> Be prepared when, when you are there. And that entails a few things. One is you got to check in with yourself often when you're at the thing or, you know, at the party or doing whatever. You've got to be mindful to remember all these great tools. You're not going to remember to do any of this. You don't have to remember to ask a question if you're in reactive mode because you haven't been checking in with yourself. So if you, I had a client recently who went to a family reunion and she set a reminder on her phone literally for every 30 minutes while she was at the gathering. Every 30 minutes, this little thing went off, reminding her just to check in with herself. So she heard the tone, she's like, oh, and she said every time she was getting angry and getting, you know, kind of pulled. So really, it's you got to figure out however you want to do that. Tell your partner to remind you, well, you know, whatever works for you. For me, the reminders on my phone work. Um, and sometimes I would have family ask, oh, what's that for? And I tell them so that I don't lose my shit on you so that I'm kind and friendly. <laughs> or I would just tell them, you know, hey, I'm trying to be more mindful. I'm trying to act, not react. And this helps me do that. Make sure I'm in my moments with you and that I'm really enjoying my time and really hearing what you say and not just reacting to some old patterns. And I've had some great conversations with people about that. I mean, great. You'd be shocked. The other thing I want you to do as part of this step three is take timeouts. I really should call them time-ins maybe. Time-ins, timeouts. I, Take some breaks to get yourself away if things are feeling stressful. You can, again, it can be quick. Walk outside, go to the bathroom, splash some cold water on your face. Anything to change the scenery for just a moment and catch your breath. And that's really all you're looking to do. Because otherwise, what you tend to do in the moments is like drink more or eat more or, you know, it, it's not, just take a break. Just, just walk outside. Go stretch. Run up and down the front steps of your house. Uh, say you need to get something from the car. I don't care. Just take a break. Just remove yourself for a moment. 
look yourself in the eye in the bathroom mirror, get some cold water and walk back in. It, I'm telling you, it does wonders and it takes seconds. And I think this is my last thing, unless I think of something else. Definitely don't drink or eat too much. In any kind of potentially stressful situation, it's, it's really important to keep your wits about you. And alcohol is an emotion focuser. I don't know if you realize this. Alcohol focuses emotions and makes them stronger. So drinking when you're anxious will initially, yes, take the edge off, but very soon it will create more stress. And you might say things with your lower inhibitions that exacerbate the situation, that make it worse. So when, and this is why, um, you know, if you go out and you're really in a bad mood and you drink, you know, you get kind of angry. It, again, it just magnifies an emotion. It's also if you're feeling good and you go out and then woo, but you might notice that you feel bad when you go out and you start drinking and you're like, oh, I feel happier. But then the night ends in like a shit show. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's, <laughs> that's because it was focusing your real emotion. So uh, alcohol is just really like the worst idea at these things. Maybe one drink you know, over time, but I'd really, 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 really strongly encourage you. And this isn't because of recovery or anything else. This is because of the research and what we know happens. So if it'll help take off a little bit of your stress, then then just take a little bit. But after that, I would leave it. And eating too much does the same. You know, you want to, you want to try not to check out and to be as present as possible. That's what you're trying to do. Okay. Ta-da! That is my three-step process. Uh, definitely come on over to the website, abbymetcalf.com forward slash podcast and uh, get your commie anchor. Um, get all the, the links to all the things, the, the loving kindness meditation, all the rest will all be there with all of my love. Actually, all of Dana's love. Dana is my online manager who makes everything work behind the scenes. Um, We'll have it all there for you so you can easily access it and don't have to go hunting for things because that's uh, also how I want to make your life easier. And if you don't listen to me again before the holidays as they are approaching, I love you. You can do this. You got this. You know, stay calm, stay centered. I'll be uh, looking forward to sharing with you what I do over the holidays. And as always, if you have a question for the Ask Dr. Abby segment, please send it in to abby at abbymedcalf.com. Comes right to me. Or the you can do it online on the contact page and let me know your question and uh, I will answer it. Um, if it's, you know, I always make them more anonymous. You know, you've heard me do that. And I will do my best to answer on a future podcast. If it's not, uh, sometimes the questions just really are too particular and they, I, I can't really, you know, make it for everybody. But that's rare, actually. Most of the questions people have sent in, I've been able to, they're in the queue. So um, definitely send them. And I love to hear from you otherwise. So, uh, you know, leave a review. Let me know how, what you're thinking. A comment under the YouTube video, whatever. I love to hear from you. I read them. And that's it. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, 
let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcap.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.